0: G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are talking positional tiers and the power forwards. Let's go! Jordan, open! Chicago with the lead! Bryant, to Shaq! Not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Laquan changed with no record for human life. He's G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys NBA and on Instagram at Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball. Today we are continuing our podcast mini series in positional tiers. Um, we've done the point guards, shooting guards, and small forwards so far. Um, check them out in your podcast feed or on YouTube um, if you want to catch up. Make sure you're subscribed and chuck a thumbs up on this video. Um, today, we're going to go through the power forwards. And again, I'll just put a disclaimer out there. The positions on here are a 100%. Um, it's hard to pick uh, the, the 100% accuracy on all of these tiers. I know James Harden um, you know, probably is a bit more of a point guard. I had him in the shooting guard tiers. Besides the point, really, with these videos, we're kind of just grouping players and I'm um, going through them one at a time, um, making sure that clear what my, my thoughts are and where they should be going in drafts just general thoughts on these players and um and and I am taking very much into account head to head category uh, leagues with these with these positional tiers talking about punt rankings and those kind of things as well so um a little bit of, of conjecture with where these guys are placed, but remember that when we're adding in punt values, so if a guy's punting free throw percentage, he rockets up the board, whereas in a nine-cat ranking kind of system, he might be a bit further back. So keep that in mind when we go through these these uh, rankings as well. If you want our complete rankings, where we go through every single player all positions combined. Um, check out our season draft guide over at ballboysnba.com. We're also going to be releasing, or might have already released, our punt field goal percentage um, article uh, in that on on the website over there. We've also got our Q and A podcast, exclusive Q&A podcast coming later this week where I'll be going through and answering all the questions that you guys have um, asked over there. We'll likely put that up on YouTube as well, but if you want your question to be answered on the podcast where I'll go into a bit more depth, um, it can be team-specific, it can be a general kind of thing, You make sure you subscribe so you can get your questions answered in there. We've already got a few that I've added to the list, so keen to look at those later in the week. But let's get into the power forwards here now. First tier, I've got two players here. I've got Giannis Kumpo, and Kevin Durant in my tier one. So, I think I've said it a few times here. Giannis, to me, is pretty comfortably my second pick off the board after Jokic goes. I'm very happy to punt field throw, free throw percentage Uh, After picking Giannis at pick two, he feels really safe. I know exactly what I'm going to get with Giannis. There's no change up in the team. There's no uncertainty with his availability. Yes, he's missed a few games last year with, I think, a a couple of little knee injuries. Um, But I just feel really, really safe and comfortable drafting Giannis there. He's the second-ranked guy in a punt free throw percentage. Um, And I think, obviously, that's very clear what you do. I really like that strategy pretty much every year, and um, yeah, I think that Giannis is very safe and happy to take him at pick number two. Kevin Durant, I have in a similar tier. Um, I just uh, recently appeared in a um, podcast with Adam King and Fantasy Basketball International talking about my top four um, guys there, and Kevin Durant is the fourth guy in sort of my first tier of players in the first round. I think his per minute production is elite. Um, Questions on where he was going to play has sort of been Answered for the moment. Although I think we might see that start to pop up later in the season. Um, he has had a few injuries in the past. He's getting a little bit older, but you can't deny the fact that he was number. He was the second ranked player last season in i category uh, rankings. So I think at pick four, that's where I would basically have him. So both very early round guys for me. So very happy to get them at the start of my drafts as my tier one power forwards. Tier two. Uh, A guy who used to be in the center tiers, although he's moving over to the power forward tier um, this year, I've got Carl anthony Towns, and um, with him in tier two, I have LeBron James. Now, they are quite close in value, although I would probably say that Carl anthony Towns, to me, is still a first-round guy, and to me, LeBron James is a second-round player. Um, In saying that, though, they are quite close in value, I think the end of that first round, there's a bunch of guys that you could group together and have in a similar kind of tier. Sort of between picks 9 through to like... 15 or 16. I think there's a big clump of guys that you can mix and match any which way. So, and all have first round potential. It's just kind of like pick your poison kind of type. I like Carlton Towns a little bit more because um, he gives me a bit more across the board stats. There's a lot of guards in that area as well with your um, Tyrese Halliburton, Kyrie Irvings, Trey Youngs, Damian Lillard. So, I like the idea of grabbing a Carlton Towns and pairing him with one of those guards on the on the way back. That's the way that I would be kind of liking to do that. And Carlton Towns fits a lot of different punt uh, builds so you're not sort of locking yourself in there if one of those guys that you had higher falls to you in the second round so that's why I've got him up there and also LeBron he's just as, as amazing as LeBron is he's turning 38 this season um, he was He beat this ranking last season. However, he was playing more minutes at center. His blocks doubled last season. His points skyrocketed uh, from the season before and the season before that he was below this ranking. So I'm taking what he did last season with a a pinch of salt. He's he's starting to slowly rack up the injuries and miss games later in his career. He's still the man. He's still LeBron James. So you'd expect him to be... He, if not better, but I just am hedging my bets to say that there are a few other guys that I just feel like are a little bit more reliable at this point in his career. Um, I know Callum might disagree with me. Uh, my co-host, he had him as a first-round guy. I just I just prefer to go with someone who's a bit younger at, at that point in the draft. Um, but yeah, LeBron James, tier number two. Tier number three, I've got one player in this tier. Now we're moving out of the first and second rounds. A bit of a drop-off in power forwards after those first four guys. Uh, I've got Pascal Siakam in tier three, and you could even argue that he's the center, but I think... Power forward is more his traditional position. So I've got him here at tier number three on his own. Very safe, very solid guy. He's a top 35 sort of player. So very happy to draft him in the third round or if you're lucky, early fourth round if he slips that far. But somewhere in the 30s, I think he's fine. I really like the fact he's going to give you good points. um, assists from the the power forward slash center position is really valuable. He'll hit some threes. Um, Just good all-around stats. So... I don't think that he's someone who's going to change too much from year to year. Maybe Scotty Barnes takes another step forward and eats into Pascal Siakam's um, usage. He was playing a lot of point guard minutes when Fred Van Vliet was out last season, so maybe if Fred Van Vliet is healthier this year, that might into his eat into his assist numbers. You could see that, although there's also the other, the other opportunity that that might not happen. Fred Van Vliet is injured a lot, so... I think Pascal Siakam is a very safe player to be drafting at the end of your third round. So not too much more for me to say on Pascal Siakam. I think he's a very safe guy here in Tier 3 on his own. And he's just a little bit ahead of this next guy that I've got in Tier number 4. And that guy in Tier number 4 is Evan Mobley. I, I'm a really big fan of Evan Mobley. I think he's a really good player. He was my pick for the Rookie of the Year uh, award last season. The thing that we saw with Evan Mobley, which... I usually don't like to see with a lot of my rookies or or guys going into their second year is throughout the season, his stats were very stable. First half of the year, he put up 15, 8, and 1.7 blocks. Second half of the year, 15, 8, 1.7 blocks. I do think that there is still a lot of scope for him to improve. I expect the field goal percentage to increase in year two. I expect the um, steals to increase in year two as he gets more comfortable gambling with a few more things, trusting his instincts. I could expect the points to go up as well. Um, so, I think that there's every chance that Evan Mobley really breaks out this year, even with Donovan Mitchell joining the team. Um, he could very well be a second-round guy this season. Um, it does hinge a little bit on the free-throw percentage. I wouldn't bank on it improving. Um, so, either he's a punt free-throw guy, or you have to really sort of factor in the fact that he might be a sub-70% guy, Um so, do keep that in mind, but I really like Evan Mobley, and he's one of my favorite, like, shot-blocking targets after the Rudy Gobert's and the Robert Williams go off the board. He would sort of be my next guy that is there, depending on what you think about Chris stapps Plazingas and his knees and his health. So, I think those two guys, and, and maybe you've got Miles Turner there as well. So, he's in that kind of a range for me. Um but I, I really, really like him. I think he's he's got a really high upside, kind of reminiscent of, you know, second year, or maybe not second year, Anthony Davis, but that kind of build uh, of player. So very easy to see him rocket up rankings. So big fan of Evan Mobley. Um, at tier five, again, I've got another single player. Zion Williamson is in my tier five, my seventh ranked power forward. There is an argument to say that he should be up a bit higher on this rankings list, I could definitely see that and listen to that. I am personally just not a huge fan of what Zion provides, especially for the type of team that you're likely to draft him to. His, by far and away, biggest contributing category is his uh, field goal percentage. Um, Of course, he's going to be also scoring a lot of points. The fact is, though, that when you're drafting him, he is more than likely going to be a punt free throw percentage guy. He... He's going to get to the line a lot in um, in, in games. And, and when he does that at sub-par free-throw percentage shooting, he's one. Of, he's going to be basically one of the biggest negatives in free-throw percentage in the league, if not the biggest. So he's definitely a punt free-throw guy. And when you're p- putting him on a punt free-throw team, chances are you've drafted a Giannis or you've drafted a Rudy Gobert or you've got someone like... Uh, Robert Williams, you're going to draft Clint Capella or Mitch Robertson later are, are two big targets for me. So, when you're looking at what he provides, his by far biggest category boost is his field goal percentage, but you probably are already going to be very strong in that position. So, the value that he brings is limited a little bit, in my opinion, we know that in college he was a big steals and blocks guy that hasn't translated to the NBA so far. It could, it could come in, and definitely that would mean that he shoots high up on my ranking boards. But I'm just, I'm not ready to predict it yet. I'm not ready to just put it into my projections because there's enough data to say that maybe that just isn't going to translate. And if it doesn't, and you're banking on it doing that, I think you're just putting yourself in a bit of, bit of trouble there. I, I know his upside is enormous. He could come out and score 33 points a night, um, which has a lot of value in itself. I just think that there's also the injury risk. We can't just throw that out the window. He doesn't really get, you know, obviously there's no threes. Um, maybe the assists rise. He's not an elite rebounder either. There's really only just a couple of things that are really truly elite in his points and field goal percentage. The rest is all just okay. Um, and then you've got the huge drag of his free throw percentage as well. So, I'm just... Um, yeah, I- I'm a little bit off compared to maybe what some other people are thinking about on Zion. I think he's a fine pick in the late 4th, early 5th round. Um, Especially obviously I, I think you have to be punting free throw percentage. I'd rather be punting free throw percentage with Luca than with Giannis because then with Luca you might need that field goal percentage to counter Luca's poorer field goal percentage if you want to be elite in that category. In that starting pick, I like him better than pairing him with Giannis, depending on who those like second and third round picks are. But in saying that, um, obviously there's a lot of upside here with, with Zion. He, he is a very special NBA player. So let me know what your thoughts are on Zion and where you would be happy to draft him. I'd be wanting to get him closer to pick 50 than sort of pick 35, which I have seen him go. Um, yeah, he's, he's a tricky one for me to rank because there's a wide variety of outcomes here. And, and I am still worried about how they're going to treat him. They're very cautious with him. I know that they've, Zion's camp has been a bit annoyed with that in, in the past, but you can't deny that he's obviously extremely important to the franchise and they're not going to take any risks with him. They, they've been cautious in the past, and I think that we just have to be prepared for that to happen again. Um, so for that reason, he just falls a little bit behind some of these other guys where he obviously has upside to be greater than this, but this is about where I'd be comfortable drafting him. And this is, this is how my tiers and rankings are done. They're not based on um, projected value. They're based on where I would be happy to draft them given the risk of the injuries, given the punt strategies and and team-building concepts that I uh, preach on this channel and on this podcast. So, just a little bit of a a spiel on Zion Williamson there. Tier number six, we've got a guy here who you might be surprised to see up this high in Jabari Smith Jr. in tier six, my eighth-ranked power forward. Um, paired with John Collins in this tier as well. I am really keen on Jabari Smith Jr. this season. I think that he's going to get underrated. There's a lot of scenarios out there or, or, or talks about his poor summer league performance. He um, slipped to number three in the draft when he was originally going to go number one was all the talk. Orlando picked Palo instead. Chet went second, obviously, and then Jabari went to the, the Houston Rockets. I think the Houston Rockets is the perfect landing spot for him. Um... Defenses are going to be focused around Shang-Goon, Green, um, and even like a Porter Jr. So he's going to be able to come in, do his thing, shoot his threes, play excellent defense, get rebounds. He's going to contribute across the board in in threes, rebounds, steals, blocks. He's going to get decent points. I think his free throw percentage is going to be fine. Be aware that he's going to be poor from the field, so he's definitely a much better punt field goal percentage guy. But in that build, I see potential for top 50 um, production. I think he's, he, he might not get there, but he definitely has the upside. I wouldn't be drafting him inside the top 50, but... As soon as it goes over sort of pick 60, pick 65, I'd be very happy to have a look at Jabari Smith Jr., especially if I am punting that field goal percentage. So I do like what he can do. John Collins, to me, is a bit of a funny one. He's a bit of a boring kind of guy. He typically goes higher than this, although the second half of last season we saw his stats drop off. I think there's been a bit of conjecture about how he fits into this organization. I wonder how the DeJounte Murray inclusion affects him. In a weird kind of way, I think it helps him because I think it sort of reaffirms what the Hawks are trying to do. They're trying to push and make a, a run at the championship. They're trying to make sure that they're winning as many games as they possibly can. I think John Collins is still probably their third best player. So um, I, stu- I still do like him. His minutes, I don't think, are going to be up over sort of like that 32 minutes a night kind of area. I think they're going to be maybe 30 at best. Um, so there is scope that he might regress a little bit from last year. Last year, he was the fifty rank, 50th ranked player. I've got him a bit further back again this year mostly because the second half of the season, it was only 20 games, but he was the 92nd ranked player. So I think somewhere in the middle there is about where I would have John Collins, um, you know, maybe 65 to 70 kind of kind of range. He's still young, 25 years old. I just think there's a little bit of downside for him compared to where he was last season. The addition of DeJounte Murray might hurt him a little bit in terms of his usage, um, but you know, he, he probably should get close to a steal block and uh, three per game with decent rebounds, points, and field goal percentage. The free throw percentage is fine as well. So he fits in a lot of builds. Um, there's just nothing really super exciting about John Collins, in in my opinion. So um, that's about where he is for me. Tier number seven, we finally got our first three-person tier. At tier number seven, I've got the other rookie uh, power forward, in Paulo Boncaro. I've got Draymond Green and I've got PJ Washington. So let's talk about Paolo first. Obviously, I've got him a tier below Jabari Smith. I just think that there's more, there's well, sorry, there's less u- um, utilization ability with a Paolo Banchero compared to a Jabari Smith. He fits less into uh, punt strategies, or, or not as nicely into punt strategies as a Jabari Smith does, in my opinion. The lack of threes and blocks and steals. Um, I think Hurts, Paolo, his percentages aren't going to be excellent. His free throw percentage will be a bit lower than Jabari's. I think maybe the field goal is higher, but it's probably not going to be at an elite level yet. It might be like mid to high 40s. Um, the points, rebounds, and assists are going to be nice, and, and they're hard stats to kind of kind of get this late in, in draft. So I think that that definitely elevates his value. But I think when it comes to the nine category rankings, he's not going to do as well as as a Jabari Smith. But... I do think he'll score more. I do think he'll provide more assists. He might even rebound better than Jabari. But And those numbers are often the ones that our eyes gravitate towards, but it's the other stuff that I think will just bring his value a bit down. No worries drafting him in sort of like the 70s to 80s for me. Um, but I don't know. I think he's 60th on Yahoo at the moment. That's a bit too high for me. Um, and I think that, yeah, there's just not a lot of... Goodies to go along with those big three categories to me to get him that high, but I do still like him. I still think he'll be good. His minutes and his role should be pretty safe. Draymond Green comes into this spot here. Um, yeah, a p- bit of a funny one, Draymond. He, he's a he's obviously a good punt point strategy guy. Obviously, I if you've listened to any of my other content before, I I do like me some punt points. Um, but you know, he's just he's getting a little bit older, age thirty two this season. Um, The steals and blocks are kind of not falling off a cliff, but just going away a little bit. The rebounds, the minutes and stuff are starting to come down a little bit. The assists are slowing down a little bit. Everything's just kind of slowly regressing. So he was the 84th ranked player last season. I'd probably peg him somewhere pretty close to that again. He had some injuries and stuff that affected him. So I would say that he's... be happy to draft them around that spot, especially if I'm punting points. And um, again, those rebounds, assists, steals, and block numbers, that combination is hard to find. So... Um, yeah, that's basically where I have Draymond kind of continuing what he did last year. And P.J. Washington. I am um, I like P.J. Washington this season. He might be ranked a bit lower than this, I think, in Yahoo and other rankings. Um, so, I, I see him quite similar to a Draymond Green type, maybe without the assists, but you might get some more threes as as kind of a trade-off for him. So, quite similar in terms of the steals, blocks, rebounds. Uh, Low points, Um, his percentages will be pretty decent as well. So I do like me some PJ Washington. There's no real competition for his minutes last year. He was kind of playing the backup center or backup power foot, I should say, with Miles Bridges expected to be out for the whole season. Um, I think that he could easily be a top 80 guy. He was the 79th ranked player after the All-Star break in 31 minutes a night. I could easily see that being 33, 34 minutes a night because there's really not a lot of depth at this front court in, uh, in Charlotte. Um, and I think they might be pretty bad. He's still only 24 years old. Um, he's pretty durable. So I-, I do like me some PJ Washington. Just again, the points might make it not look very sexy, but he, he will contribute across the board. I hope he can get some more rebounds. He only averaged sort of five rebounds a game last year. So I hope that that can push up to maybe six or seven per night. Maybe that's being being a little bit optimistic, but I just think that there's just not a lot of depth at that position um, in, in Charlotte. So he's a pretty safe top 85 guy, in my opinion. And um, I think he might be being devalued in fantasy drafts at the moment. Um, tier eight. I've got a few guys here that I do like. Uh, at 13, Larry Markinan, 14, Julius Randall, 15, Jalen Smith, and at 16, Al Horford. Larry Markinen was very close to being in the tier above. I just think that maybe in a per game ranking point of view, I think he was like the 70th ranked guy last season. It's boosted very much so by low turnovers. His biggest value is the threes there. They're two of the easiest things to find on the waiver wire, so for me, he just loses a bit of value because of that. I, I don't like to boost guys who are high threes, low turnovers, guys too high in my rankings, um, just because it's yeah, it's pretty replaceable. He's going to get a bigger opportunity over at Utah. I expect him to start at power forward, um, and I think he's going to be a steady source of those points. Rebounds, free throw percentage, threes, um, but the steals, the blocks, the assists are not going to be there. Uh, the field goal percentage will be eh, whatever. Um, so he's fine. He's a good. He's a good guy to have in those punt block builds, uh, punt assist builds. Um, I think he's he's a good contributor there. Just um, not super. Like with the lack of the defensive stats is is going to limit his upside the whole time. So um, I, I think he'll be right. He he definitely could be in that tier above. Um, I just deduct him a little bit because of the the the, val- the value of his rebound. Sorry, the value of his threes and and turnovers. I think is a little bit. It's not quite telling the full story for Larry Markenden. Uh Julius Randle's here. Basically, if you're punting field goal percentage, he rises about to this spot. If you're not punting field goal percentage, he's probably later than this. Um, there's a bit of bust potential with Julius Randle. However, I do still think he should give you maybe like eighteen to twenty points a night. You know. 8-9 rebounds, 4-5 to five assists per game. I think he'd still be sold in those areas, but the lack of defensive stats, the poor free throw percentage, the poor field goal percentage, the poor turnovers all reduce his value fairly significantly. So this is about where he lands for me. Jalen Smith I really like as a safe top 90, top 85 guy. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot of upside to crack into the top 70 or 60 in my opinion, but he's really safe in that spot. After he was traded to Indiana, he was, uh, I think he was the 79th ranked player. Hold on, let me have a look. After the All-Star break, I have the stats here in front of me. Uh, where was he? He was the 87th ranked player, sorry, in just 25 minutes a night. So to me, that's almost his floor. I think he's, a like I said, pretty soft. Pretty safe top ninety guy. They said he's going to start at power forward this season. How much of that is going to be power forward versus center when Miles Turner goes to the bench? Does he shift across? Is he exclusively a power forward? Does that mean his minutes maybe are limited a little bit more? Unsure, but I think he's going to give you good rebounds, a block, a three, decent percentages in both in field goal and free throws. So I really, I really do like um, Jalen Smith later in drafts, and I think he's a pretty safe top ninety guy. Now Horford, the old man, he um. He ranks out a lot better than this in nine category leagues, but I just think that he's going to be a little bit more rested this season. Um, the Celtics are not going to want to overextend him. He was a 69th ranked player last year. Another year older, I'm just bringing him back and regressing him a little bit more. Again, boosted a little bit by low turnovers. Um, he, he provides good assists, good blocks, um, he, over a three per game. He's he's underrated in most, in most category leagues out there, but... Just, again, um, I'm not taking into account the fact that his turnovers boost his value. Uh, excellent in a punt points strategy um, and, and a, a really good target there. A uh, little bit worried about some resting from the Celtics. You know, age 36, he, he's just someone who the Celtics are win a championship they need him ready for the playoffs if they're going to be successful so they're not going to any little thing they're not going to push him any more than they need to so I am just a little bit conscious of that so that's about where he is for me all right tier number nine we're getting close to pick 100 now tier number nine I've got Keegan Murray Brandon Clark and Jeremy Grant so Keegan Murray I think is the Third-ranked rookie that I've got here. They all seem to be power forwards so far. He's... um, I don't know if the upside is is enormous with Keegan Murray. He he put up really good numbers in, in college. I don't know how much those defensive stats are going to translate. I don't think the scoring is going to translate quite as well. He was really the man in college. Uh, obviously, he won't be that in Sacramento behind a Sabonis and a Fox and maybe even a Harrison Barnes as well. Um... So, the offense, the points, I don't think will be there. We hope that the points, threes, and blocks translate, uh, especially if he's in a reduced offensive role. I'm I'm optimistic that that could be the case, but it may not. So, I wouldn't say he's a really safe top 100 guy, but I feel pretty okay getting him around that spot. Um, So, yeah, he's kind of like that across-the-board kind of contributor without being excellent in one particular area. I don't think the blocks that he showed in college will translate to that elite level um, just because of the role he's going to be playing on this team, although he will have to cover up with a bit of Sabonis playing at center when he doesn't come across some block shots. So you might see a little bit of there, but I would expect maybe a 1-1-1 one, one, one kind of a guy, one rebound, sorry, one-three-one 3 one steal, one block, which does have some good value with uh, some points and threes and, sorry, with points and rebounds mixed in there as well. Brandon Clark, he's going to have some really good value while Jaron Jackson Jr. is out. I expect Jaron Jackson Jr. to miss like the first three months of the season. Um, there is an outside shot, and I wouldn't be shocked if when Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back, it's Stephen Adams that goes to the bench, especially if Brandon Clark is playing really, really well. So... I like Brandon Clark around pick 100. He should comfortably beat that ranking um, in the first half of the season. I think he's going to be like a top 70 guy whilst um, JJJ is out. If he moves to the bench, he'll fall back to sort of top 130 and kind of be a droppable player at that point. But there is an outside chance that he does stick to that role and maintains top 90, top 100 value at that point. And at that spot, you've got a really good draft pick there. So I really don't mind taking Brennan Clark at that spot as long as you are aware that you might have to drop him later on the season when Jaron Jackson Jr. does come back. And then Jeremy Grant, I've got him just outside the pick 100 kind of range. Um, yeah, just moving over to Portland, his usage is going to drop. I expect to see him more like the OKC Jeremy Grant, maybe a bit more like the Denver Nuggets Jeremy Grant, although I think his confidence will be a little bit higher than he was back then. So you could still see him putting up points in the mid-teens. He's never been a really big rebounder, especially for a power forward, eligible player. It's not really what you want to see. But again, another steel block, uh, threes kind of guy, similar to a Keegan Murray. Um, I'm just less excited about his efficiency. So, yeah, he and Keegan Murray are the similar type of player. Maybe Keegan Murray's a bit of a better rebounder as well. So, that's kind of where I'd have Jeremy Grant. I'm just a bit below those other guys, but in a similar tier. Tier number 10, this is where we get outside, maybe pick 110 kind of type. I've got Cam Johnson, Jared Vanderbilt, Dorian Finney-Smith, Karl Kuzma, and Robert Covington. Um... Cam Johnson has a bit of a chance to be the starting power forward for the um, Phoenix Suns if Jay Crowder is moved to the bench. I've heard some whispers about that happening. I don't think anything definitive has come out about it just yet, but he was, uh, I think he beat this ranking fairly comfortably last year, like a 26-minute-per-night roll. Those minutes could definitely come up, but again, turnovers boosted that value. So, he's about here for me with a little bit of upside. Jared Vanderbilt definitely has some big upside from this point of view, but we don't really know how Utah are going to run things in the preseason um, and into the season, and how they're going to do that front court mix. Now that Larry Markinen is there, he would have been in that tier maybe with Al Horford, Jalen Smith before this news. So he's moved back to back a couple of tiers just because I don't know if he's going to be their center or if he's going to be a backup power forward or if he's going to do a bit of both. Is his minutes going to be mid twenties or high twenties or in the low thirties? little bit of conjecture there. He's he's not the biggest points guy, but elite field goal percentage rebounds and steals. Um, the blocks will be there a little bit. Um, so, that's what you're going to get from him. So, he fits those punt uh, threes and punt uh, points build really, really nicely. Uh, but, again, one to definitely watch in the preseason. And then, uh, Cole Kuzma, Doran, Finney-Smith, Robert Covington, they're all kind of just safe... Safe guys there. Robert Covington, I think, is someone that obviously he's playing a bit of a backup role now, but he can get to this value pretty comfortably in that backup role with those points, threes. uh, Sorry, threes, steals, and blocks. Definitely won't give you huge points. Playing backup center, which I expect him to do without the Clippers having really a backup center behind um, Zubat, I think, helps his value. Um, So he's definitely someone who can be good, but I just don't... I don't want to rely on someone being a backup backup position, so I definitely would want to wait till after pick one hundred and ten. So if it doesn't really work out, he's droppable. His his value from week to week, game to game, will be very up and down because of those low volume counting stats, steals, blocks, and threes. Lots of variance. Like if he doesn't get those stats, he's going to provide very little. Um, so it, it will be a bit of a roller coaster I'm predicting, for, for Robert Covington, and Finney Smith and Kyle Kuzma, I think it is going to give you pretty similar sort of stuff, maybe Kyle Kuzma takes a step back with Puzingas and, and Beal there for the whole season, those assists, I think, which were something that I never would have predicted for Kyle Kuzma, I think will drop back a little bit as well, you've got uh, Monty Morris stepping in there as a, a capable point guard, and Beal coming back, so I don't think Kyle Kuzma's assists are going to translate year to year, but... Decent points and threes and rebounds will be, will be fine for him. Tier eleven. I've got one guy in here, uh, Isaiah Stewart. He's an okay flyer. Um, I don't know how well the power forward thing's going to go for Isaiah Stewart. I don't really see him as a power forward. I don't really think he's a great player either. Um, yeah, he could prove me wrong, so I, I put him in here as a as a decent flyer, a decent swing to take in the last sort of three or four or last two or three rounds of your of your draft in case it does work, in case he comes out and hits, you know, three and a half, two threes a game, and he can still get the, the you know, block per game, decent rebounds. The field goal percentage stays pretty decent. I'm not super excited, but it is someone to take a swing on, um... How many minutes does he get? Is he in the high 20s, 30s, or is he still in the mid 20s? If it's mid 20s, I don't think it's going to be enough value. So, again, another one to watch in the preseason. The Pistons' front court is a bit of a mess. Uh, what are they doing with guys like Jalen Duran? Is he getting regular rotation minutes? What are they doing with Nielsen Noel? Um, all those guys, it is hard to kind of get the projection of their minutes for Detroit. So, I wouldn't draft him much higher than this, but he definitely is a decent flyer at the end of your drafts. And then Tier 12, these are kind of like your last or second-to-last round picks. I've got Patrick Williams, Tari Eason, Jonathan Isaac, and Jeremy Sohan. Patrick Williams is probably going to be the one that gets the most amount of minutes out of these guys, but probably will do the least with those minutes. He still is very young. There still is a lot of upside with him from a basketball perspective. We haven't seen the best translation fantasy-wise from his numbers. Um, He's going to be behind a lot of those guys on that team in usage. He's not a huge steals and blocks guy, but perhaps something does come in year three that we just haven't seen yet. So there's a little bit of upside there. Tyree Eason is one of my favorite late-round flyers. Um, I've said a lot of times I'm really in on Tyree Eason perhaps early in the season, and maybe you, you might be holding on for him, holding on to him for too long. But the pathway for minutes, at least compared to Shengun last year, is a lot clearer, being a bit more versatile. He's not stuck at that big man position like, like Shengun was last year. He can play a bit of three, play a bit of four. Um, they might put Jabari Smith a bit more at the backup center as well, if Garuba's not quite doing what they want. So I can see a pathway to maybe minutes in the mid-20s, you might need to be patient, but you also might need to be careful and make sure you're not holding on for too long whilst other guys go that are on your wire that have value. So, a bit of a tricky one, but I do think his rebound, steals, blocks, points are all very, very tantalizing, and I think he's got an excellent fantasy stat set. So, someone I'm very excited about. Jonathan Isaac, we know, has fantasy upside as, a, as a, an elite player. He's been a top 20 guy before. It was in 35 games, I think, before his injury, but... Um, we know the steals blocks are there in elite status, but I do expect him to be coming off the bench. They're going to be very cautious with him. He's been injured for two years now. Um, so I would expect him to be very rusty. So you take him with your last pick or two. Uh, if it works, excellent. You've got a pretty good steal, but I'm not expecting there to be many minutes there, especially at the start of the season, but definitely someone to keep an eye on. And Jeremy Sohan to round things out. If the Spurs... Really lean into the youth movement from the start of the season. He could be getting minutes into the mid-20s to high-20s. He's very versatile. He was um, you know, taken at the pick nine, so they've invested a lot of draft capital into him compared to everyone else on this roster. So I think that especially landing at the Spurs, they've got some good developmental coaches there with shooting in particular. Um, so you could see an improvement there as the season progresses. Um, not super keen any higher than your last round pick because, you know, the Spurs usually bring their rookies on pretty slowly. I think Jeremy Sohan has a chance to be the exception, but I wouldn't necessarily bank on it. Um, And I think those defensive stats are worth a punt, but yeah, last round kind of flyer for me only. That will do it for us today, guys. Thank you for for checking out the video and the podcast. If you have any questions, make sure you drop them in the comments. If you want any questions read out in a podcast form where I'll go into a bit more detail with my answers, um, head over to ballboysmba.com. Make sure you, you set up yourself as a subscriber and there'll be a question... Uh, button that you can click when you head over to the exclusive Q&A podcast tab on the left hand side of the screen um, make sure you answer your, uh, pop your questions in there in the next couple of days we'll be going through that in a podcast and then um, we'll probably aim to do that maybe once a week um, and even heading into the season when we get stuck into what you're doing with your teams and trades and things like that we'll answer as many questions on there as we possibly can um, if you haven't done so already check out Apple Podcasts and give us a five star rating would really appreciate your support over there make sure you're subscribe, flick the bell, thumb up the video, and we'll see you guys next time. Laters.